If you would have looked at me then and said something about forecasting or demand planning, I would have looked at you like, can we speak English, please? Why do you think software companies are unempathetic to e-commerce companies' operations? The challenge sometimes is I didn't start off the conversation with them of, let me tell you all about this amazing software. I started the conversation. I walked in their warehouse and said, I've never done a bro, I'm out. There's probably some times that I wanted to do a bro, I'm out. And then sometimes I just have to say like, this is something you're going to have to trust me on. I've done this a lot. I think sometimes there's a, there's a disconnect between... John, can you can you give us your your quick background in... Ops and systems, like yeah. where you come from, your early experience. So it's interesting, you know, people assume that I've kind of lived in the software world for, you know, that's how I kind of learned all of this stuff. But really, I did start more on the operational side in a company. I worked for an energy drink company that we were in the place of needing something to help manage the business and the business was growing more and more. And so we brought something, you know, that profane word that Everybody out there's, uh, you know, in this space, if you've heard of it, you're like, I know it's profanity called EDI. Oh, yeah. Um, which uh, brought us to the conversation of needing software to help manage it. So, um, you know, we'll, maybe we'll talk a little bit about more about EDI a little bit later, because I think that's that is a driving factor. I see a lot of businesses kind of in this startup space. They start going, operations start moving, things start getting layered and layered with more and more complication. Yeah. They want to go into a big box store, hit EDI, and then they now we're off to it's got a little chaotic. But got it. So, so okay, so you were you're at an energy drink energy drink company. Yep. You guys are doing about 1.5 million dollars in sales. Yep. You're the ops guy, which everybody knows that quintessential ops guy that he's just the problem solver. Mm-hmm. So then you um okay so you needed EDI. Yeah. At that time, you were just managing everything on on Google Sheets and. Spreadsheets, Google Sheets, pieces of paper, post-it notes, all the things, you know, picking up the phone and calling and saying, hey, when you measured this thing, how much did you put in there? Because we're doing manufacturing also, mm-hmm. you know, another piece of complication to add to that conversation is more of the administrative side of the company, marketing and myself, we were in Virginia, lived in Virginia Beach at the time. Okay. The manufacturing and sales and shipping or were, excuse me, manufacturing and shipping were down in uh outside of Tampa, Florida. And so trying to manage all of these pieces together from a different place adds another level of complexity to the conversation. So, okay, so manufacturing. So you were needing visibility into everything. So how walk me through how you guys were even managing everything with purchasing and then also the manufacturing process, the build materials, foreca- forecasting and demand planning for those components. Like how... How was that done? If you would have looked at me then, obviously now I got a little bit different perspective on that. But if you looked at me then and said something about forecasting or or demand planning, I would have looked at you like, can we speak English, please? You know, <laughs> and I think that's honestly where a lot of businesses, it's, you know, here at Ledger Guru is working with companies like yeah. this all the time now. I think that's where a lot of businesses are actually at. It's like, I don't know what you're saying to me. You're using words that I have no idea what you mean. You're like, especially with the software space, we're throwing things out there and they're like, I just need to get my orders out on time. I feel like software (laughs) companies and even service providing companies aren't as empathetic. See, you can look back and and be a little bit empathetic. For sure. Because you're like, man, I've been there. I was the operator at $1.5 million where I was like, demand planning. What's that? What does that even mean? I'm just, uh, looks like we're out of the caps. I'm going to go and buy some. Yeah. So 
Why, why do you think software companies and maybe even service providing companies are unempathetic to the disorganization of, of e-commerce companies' operations? So I think a big part of that conversation is, and I love software companies, love you guys, love other ones out there that you know we work with. It's great. I think the challenge sometimes is with any business, your product becomes your baby. And it becomes the answer to all the problems. Software is not the answer to all the problems in a business. I like love, I, I love this perspective. I, yeah, I, I tell people it. all the time, and you know, people who've heard me before probably get sick of this. But you know, a successful business is like a waterfall. We're out here in Utah, some pretty sick waterfalls out here to check out. Um, <laughs> I was just in Colorado last week and saw a really cool, and I'm like, I'm going to take some pictures of this so I can explain what I say. But yeah, we're, we're taking John around to the Utah places, giving him funeral potatoes. Yes, all the cool uh, Utah places. Got it in there, <laughs> like it. So. You know, it's a waterfall. So at the top of the waterfall, there's a river that feeds it, right? Then you've got this really cool, beautiful waterfall. And then you've got a lake or a river or a stream at the bottom that it all falls into and then moves on. How I explain that in the business is the operations and the operational processes are the river that feeds the waterfall. The waterfall is the software that manages it all. And the accounting is the river at the bottom. So you can't fix the problems in the river at the top from the river at the bottom. It's just all falling in there. Yeah, and if you had the if you had bad software and processes in there, then all the mess is just going to hit that lake at the bottom. So this they is, all work in tandem with each I other. I really like that perspective, and this is why. So I also don't, I I also don't crap on other platforms. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. like Luminous, we have a we have a different take on the market and e-commerce companies sure. and the psyche of why people make decisions. But I I really am of the mindset. It's not that the tool is bad. Yeah. And I think what you just highlighted is why people, why people in operations have such strong feelings towards tool X, like, mm-hmm. man, skew vault sucks. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, Linworks sucks. Locate sucks. Yeah. Like it's a, hmm, uh, there's a myriad of different reasons yeah. why something could feel like it sucks. Mm-hmm. And Actually, most of them are have to do with your processes. And the For way sure. I mean, I talk to companies all the time. I mean, and it's easier to start with fixing processes. You know, I, I just came, you know, you and I were just talking about this before um, that I was at a company here in Utah and, you know, working with a different software. I didn't start off the conversation with them of, let me tell you all about this amazing software. I started the conversation. I walked in their warehouse and said, I immediately see problems. We need to fix this stuff. We need to clean up your warehouse, not dirty wise, but like we need to organize things in a fashion that makes sense. Now, in the back of my mind, I know that how the software is going to function. And so I'm building those processes physically to match what I know is going to function the software. But I'm not thinking software and software conversation. I need to understand that business and their processes and help them along the way versus just jumping right into software. But what happens with companies when you, it's easier to start there, but more often where we're at is we're in the middle of a process with a company where they've already been on some software or they've already, you know, kind of maxed out their capacity with spreadsheets and all those other things. And with every company, the software is the problem. It's bad software. It needs to change. I don't know that I've run into one inventory management software that I would say it's bad software. It, there's some that work better in certain scenarios or there's some that are designed to be stronger in maybe manufacturing than in pick, pack, and ship or things like that. Yep. 
I don't know that I've met any bad ones, but if you talk to some of these companies, they're like, this software sucks. And it's not usually because the software, it's because we didn't spend enough time in the operations before we added the software. We didn't fix the river before we got to the waterfall. We thought putting a waterfall in was going to fix this whole beautiful thing. And you just ended up causing a huge mess. And, you know, and and then it, again, the software is the easy thing to blame because it's a third party. You know what I mean? Let's, let's do an exercise here because yeah. I'm curious. You, with all of your experience now, I mean, you must have implemented dozens of systems, gone to literally hundreds of companies, all doing different things. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, multi-channel D2C with wholesale. You've probably done distribution companies, like multiple industries requiring manufacturing, maybe just simple, like they have a 3P. I I bet you've run into it all, right? A lot. Yeah, Yeah, almost all of it. Yeah. Um, so it, I'm, it never ceases to amaze me. Sometimes I'm like, now this is a new thing, <laughs> but you know, it's another challenge to, to resolve. But okay, so so with John Bottoms, Mister yeah. John Bottoms, now with your head and your mind, all of your experiences, you know, software how it should work, like the back of your hand. Um, okay, if you went back in time, yeah. to John Bottoms at the Energy Drink Company, yeah, what? Okay, so, so let's let's go back. Let's do this exercise. You're back in time, $1.5 million in sales. You're that guy. What are what are you telling John Bottoms in the warehouse at that time? Like what's going wrong in your processes at that energy drink company? What's going wrong with the manufacturing? What's going wrong with purchasing? Like what are, how do you approach that? So it's, it's very interesting, this conversation, because I've done a lot of study in personality as well. And that plays a huge role in this whole process. And sometimes I always start the conversation with every company is tell me why you went into business. Like, why'd you do this? Like, and what do you want to get out of it? And a lot of times you can pick up personality things that end up showing up as problems or whatever in the business. So one of the things that I would say is, you know, again, one of my personalities is jump in, fix the problem, figure out a solution and go for it. You know, um, sometimes good, sometimes not so good, you know, um, But one of the things with a lot of companies and even John, the energy drink company guy, we were so busy. And every company that I go into, it's like, we're so busy. We're so busy. We're so busy. What I would tell the John of then is just slow down. Know that there's other things and other people out there that can probably help you not be so busy or maybe busy yourself with things that you want to do, not this chaos that you don't want to do. But again, I have the luxury of now working with probably 75-ish companies or more that I can have that perspective. I wouldn't have been able to have that perspective without living through working with so many companies. Yeah, but. that's it's been that's been a common thread between all the operators that I talk to. Yeah. They say the same thing. Once they have once they have the perspective, they're like, man, I wish I just would have like poked my head out of the sand. Yeah. Like just bumped it up and kind of looked around like, oh. Yeah, like right. I could, I could have fixed so many more things. Yeah, and um, it, and it, it, things like this are always hard in hindsight to you know to look at. But like again, the company I was with this this week here, I don't just go into your warehouse and say you need to do this and you need to do this, you need to do that, and then go back to my computer. Right. I'm in there with them. Like we're counting inventory together, we're moving boxes, and we're that sounds you know, just like luminous. Yeah, <laughs> because it's like we got to get the work done. And I will tell you. And then sometimes I just have to say like this is something you're going to have to trust me on. I've done this a lot. Mm. Because what happens is we get, and we all do this in a different way. You could probably describe ways that you do this yourself. We all get in our own rut and our personality shows up. And then we think this is the only way that I can survive. 
versus saying like, maybe there's somebody out there. I was thinking, you know, as I was driving over about you and I texting each other back and forth about the, um, the dropship or sorry, the 3PL, uh, company, um, can't think of their name right now that I texted you that you were talking about. They aggregate API data into one source. Oh, um, um yeah. Uh, Trackstar. Yeah. Trackstar. Yeah. And it's like, I could say like, man, I've got to spend all my time figuring out these three PLs is such a pain where there's a million three PLs out there. Or I could just text Jared who I happened to met a few weeks ago, you know, working with our company and we sat down to lunch and it's like, I wonder if Jared has ever worked with anybody did that. And it's been great. You know what I mean? So a lot of times we think I've got to live in my own world. I can't get outside of this space. Software is well, not going to fix the problem. I think something, something really important that you were hitting on before is yeah. people in ops, a lot of times they want to be the answer. They oh, want to sure. have the answer. Mm-hmm. Like it's got to come from them. Yeah. When it's just like, dude, supply chain inventory, backend systems are so vast. Like ask somebody. For Somebody's sure. Somebody's got to know yeah. something. And I'll say from an overall We'll say, you know, and some of these companies are smaller than having this structure, but in companies where you've got owners or, or kind of executive leaders that are making some of these decisions, like empower your people to do that. Empower your people to have the space to ask the questions and say, hey, go out and do some research. Find some companies that know how to do this. Like you're, you'll probably have conversations with four or five softwares that before you'll even realize, okay, now I've got something that I can kind of build a process to understand on. Mm -hmm. That's where we really come in. Like I've worked with so many softwares and so many different companies. You know, I was talking about before being on this panel, you know, where I'm kind of the unique guy with a different perspective, even dressed differently. And, um, you know, one of the things that I realized there is like, it's, You got to empower people. You got to let people know like, hey, you have the ability to go out and do this thing. You can do it. And um, versus saying, you know, my my way is the end all be all way. And it may cost a little bit of money. It may cost a little bit of time. But sometimes you can really connect to people that are outside of your rut, if you will, and really get some good feedback that'll help you. Yeah, no, totally agree with that. Yeah. Okay, so I got a couple of specific questions for you. Since you're the since you're the inventory master and you, you know speak all too these highly of me, systems. I'm like inventory master. Who's is he behind me? Over there? <laughs> <laughs> He's over there. Yeah, right. Okay, let's there welcome him right now. Yeah, come on in. Um, <laughs> okay, so well, before we move on to these specific questions, because I kind of want to dive into the weeds with you. Yeah. Um, I, I think are we talking about podcast 2.0? We're gonna do this. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Um, before we get into the weeds with like specific pivotal questions in inventory ops, yeah, um, I want you to share what what's been your what's been the biggest nightmare warehouse nightmare? You know, kitchen nightmares. Let's yeah. let's do John Bottoms warehouse Ooh, nightmares. I have to like think about that one. You don't have to say any names, but like, yeah. what was the worst warehouse you went into? And you're just like, bro, I'm out. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've never done a bro, I'm out. There's probably some times that I wanted to do a bro, I'm out. Um, I mean, sometimes too, depending on the software setup. So some maybe feedback for you guys is there's a lot of pressure on going live with the software. Mm-hmm. And the way some softwares are built cause more unnecessary pressure based on not being able to fix things or whatever. So it's like when you turn that, you know, orders on, if, whatever there, you know, some things, if it can't be reversed, there's just a lot of pressure on that. And so sometimes you're up until two or three o'clock in the morning, the night before you're, you've got employees showing up to start picking and packing orders, realizing that. So those are probably more of the nightmares than the, than, you know, like crazy challenges. 
Um, I'm trying to think, you know, with so many companies, everybody kind of has their own little thing. Um, probably nightmare story, not necessarily operational company, but was, you know, I worked through COVID. I had a lot of companies, mm-hmm. people need, still needed products. People still needed business and they needed help getting this, this stuff done. And so I was in the middle of downtown LA, um, during the height of COVID, you know, like crazy. And I had no idea, like, first of all, the business had a lot of, I'll call it chaos. It was not anything of their own. Actually, COVID kind of precipitated some into it with business, like order volumes being kicked up based on their products. But I mean, I'm in downtown LA staying in a hotel, like no restaurants were even open. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> like, how are we going to do this? And so the company I'm working with them trying to figure things out and like, you know, but that's probably the most chaotic one that comes to mind of mm, yeah, I know, remember so circumstances. So I was I was CEO of Qualtree. Okay. And that was that was during the the COVID restrictions. That was rough. Yeah. So like that that Q4 and then the Q4 after, it was tough, man. Like I can I can only imagine because we so we would scale from like 80 employees to like 300 yeah. during Q4. And during COVID, like it was so hard to find people and sales were through the roof yeah and like so at Qualtrics we had we had binning issues okay. so like that Q4 we we literally had so much bins that bins were like going from the warehouse up the stairs to the top like it was insane <clears throat> yeah yeah when sometimes again we're going back to the same conversation like in the moment that you design that process probably like either one of two things like this is the best process in the world and no one else will ever figure this out we're or the other not, thing we're is like we're gonna have a thousand bins yeah right or the other thing is like i gotta get bins up there quick do that <laughs> and i think those are the two scenarios that companies end up with and then you do that for about six months and then you get in this mindset like there's no way to change yep, this process yep. yes. you know But the minute you walk in the door, you as now, Jared, you walk in the door and you're like, why the heck are you doing that? It's like, oh, you're right. This is probably a little bit crazy. So sometimes I look at myself, you know, I'm like, am I the inventory expert or am I just the guy that gets to walk into the room and say, why are you doing that? And then come up with a way to try to fix it. So I love how you approach it, though. It's just like it's curiosity. Yeah. Like, oh, why are you doing that? Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. well, I've seen this and this. What do you think? Like, I. That is such a better way than like, dude, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, you look at some of these companies. I was, again, saying this to last week at this conference that I was at. I worked with a company that the wife looked at me with tears in her eyes and was like, I want this business to end. I'm over it. I want more time with my husband. And if this doesn't change, we're getting a divorce. And I'm walking down, I'm like, oh, I'm the inventory guy. You know what I mean? But how much personality <laughs> is in that? And what they, what she was really saying is, I need a better way to, he needs a better way to pick orders. We need a better way to manage our accounting. We need to be more efficient because so my husband is spending business. more time here and I want him to be in my house with my family. Yeah. So that's the problem. She didn't come to me and say, have you ever heard of Luminous? Do you think that they can help keep my marriage together? <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? No, it, I, I love, I love how you bring this up because it's, it's not, Softwares won't solve your issues. No. I mean, they they can solve they can solve specific like like you said, there is certain inventory software that is better for specific use cases, yeah. but like it's very much the intersection of software and processes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why people have such strong feelings towards software. Yeah. Like, man, this one sucks. Mm-hmm. Because they thought it was supposed to solve their problem and they're disappointed when it didn't. Yeah. And again, I think it goes a lot to have you fixed your operational processes before you started talking about software. The other piece of it is, did you 
did you and whoever you're partnering with to get this done, like see the whole thing to the end? Because a lot of times what happens is you're live on the software, have a great day, see you later. And the companies don't feel like they have someone they can lean on and they have something pops up. They do their best with all honesty. And then it just becomes this, this snowball that we fixed over here just starts snowballing again. And then again, it's the software that's the problem. It's not the operations. So I think, again, a big part of it is you've got to spend time in the beginning in the operations, keep the operations in mind when the software is being implemented and being operated in, yeah. but then also keep that conversation going. Like, hey, we're, we're wanting to launch a new store. We're now getting into EDI. Like, yeah. how, how can Luminous help me with that? We've already, we, we implemented Luminous. Like, does this keep us off the software? Can this, and you know, because people just, they don't know the answer to these questions that you and I deal with every day. Yep. They're trying to figure out how to get their orders out on time. It's exactly. And which which goes to the ad hoc nature of operators, like yeah. they're they're just trying to get stuff out. Yeah. They're just trying to get sales. That's it, um, which is totally understandable. Okay, now let's let's pivot the conversation. Let's yeah. go to um, so at Luminous, I have my theories on the market and you know why a specific inventory system like hasn't taken off and like you know it's going head to head with Netsuite, yeah. um, but. So you want me to give my opinion on all the softwares I work with? And, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's a 2.0. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'm actually more curious about is I, so what I, I've kind of bucketed critical decisions yeah. or like complexities. It's like crossroads in ops where people make very pivotal decisions that they don't even really under, understand are pivotal. Yeah. And I, I want to get your opinion on some of these. Okay, so number one, I am a direct-to-consumer brand. I do in-house fulfillment. So I'm, I'm doing my own fulfillment, okay. my own purchasing. I've got my own warehouse. Um, you know, I have maybe one or two pickers. That's it. And, and they're both pickers. They pack and they ship. Um, I'm using ShipStation. Um, all of a sudden, in order to start increasing visibility, I have, I have a choice um, I have pallet racking coming in, and now we have the ch- like the choices in front of us. We're keeping track of inventory on a spreadsheet, mm-hmm. but it's it's the choice of inventory by warehouse or inventory by bin. And I, so I see that's such a pivotal decision for warehouses. Yeah. Um, what are some things, in your opinion, to, that this type of company should think of? Like, should I do inventory by warehouse? So, in other words. Should I just keep track of my on-hand by product in warehouse one, right? And then I just purchase based on that. And it just deducts when something gets shipped. Or should I do inventory by bin? What are what are some things that people typically don't think of with that decision right there? So one of the things I talk about, you know, one of the softwares that we work with is worldwide. They have a, actually a bigger presence outside of the U.S. than they currently have in the U.S. and they're growing more. And one of the conversations I've had with them a lot is about U.S. e-commerce looks different than it does anywhere else in the world. Amazon has completely changed the way that consumers look at, you know, e-commerce. And what's the name of the game with Amazon? If you get on your computer right now and order something on Amazon because we want, you know, go hiking later, I need some hiking boots. I want those hiking boots to my house by the time I drive to the top of the hill to get to the house in an hour. I expect that from Amazon because they're Amazon. So not only have we built this expectation with Amazon, but that same expectation that Amazon has so well by building their whole logistics network been able to deliver on, I now expect that from every company that I order anything online from. Right. 
So the name of the game in the e-commerce operation space is get the orders out. From the minute the order comes in, you've got to immediately be getting it out. It needs to happen within hours, not within days. And if you start having it happen within days, you've now got customer service yeah, problems. Your, your brand identity and your brand perception is 100% tied to your ability to get stuff out fast. Yep, 100%. Yeah, no, and, and so, and the ability, you know, if you're selling, let's just say you're selling like Seller Fulfilled Prime on Amazon, you have to get it out within yeah. a certain time period. They're going to shut you down. Yeah, you will be dinged. Exactly. <laughs> and so there. in that conversation, one of the things that I tell companies all the time is, you know, can you within minutes take me to the product that somebody orders? And if the answer to that question is no, then you need bin locations. And if you're going to grow to have more and more um, SKUs, more and more products that you're going to have, you need to be able to get the inventory just like this. So what do you say to those people that like, because see, I, I agree with you, mm-hmm. but what do you say to an operator who's just like, but you know, like bin locations, that means we, we might have to do some like, pick and pack and then now we're gonna have to count and make sure our inventory is accurate for every single bin yeah. like john isn't it easier just to like I just, I just have a general warehouse number just deducts like is is doesn't that keep us faster yes i will say there's two different conversations we talked earlier about like the leadership team versus the operator sometimes certain decisions need to be made by the leadership team mm. and filtered down because sometimes when I'm in my space as an operator of operating, it's hard for me to care about the bigger picture because my job is to operate. You know what I mean? So I think there has to be a good relationship. And sometimes you got to, as as the software implementer or as the you know operations consultant, you got to help bridge some of those gaps sometimes between decision makers and operators. Mm. Um, but so that's that's interesting, actually. Yeah. yeah. How how have you done that before? So like for example, say. You're on the ground floor, like with this example right here, man, guys, your, your, your time to fulfillment, your time to fulfill an order is, it's a lot longer than it needs to be. Yeah. We, we need to do inventory by bin so that we can really dial this process and get visibility. <coughs> have you had to go, had, had you ha- have you had to go up to the C-suite and like, so yeah. I try to. Most of the conversations, especially before we start doing work, get everybody involved. I want the C-suite there, but I also want the operators there. And I want to build, and this is, again, we're getting into really some deep personality stuff, you know, and I've done a lot of study in this. So uh, this is hard to learn without doing some practice and studying. And I think I want to build a an environment in that conversation where we can be open enough with both leadership and with the operators to say, let's communicate the real problems here. And a lot of companies, that's not, that doesn't exist. A lot of times people, the operators are afraid to say to their boss, like, hey, I'm sick of having to do this. I try to facilitate a conversation where everybody can say, it pisses me off that this thing happens, even though it's, you're nailing something because it, at least in my experience, that's, that's something I've always heard. Yeah. I'm, I'm dealing with an operator. I'm meeting with him and we're trying to change a process. Number one thing out of his mouth. Yeah. Oh my God. CEO X or executive X, oh, he doesn't like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. who, who, who cares if he doesn't yeah, like it? Like, let's yeah. go and talk to him. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. He, like, there's like this, it's like you're really, 
you're really going into uncharted territories yeah. where like, oh, clearly there isn't a culture here where you can challenge the big man. For sure. And so then that gets gives me and my snarky personality when that comes out sometimes of, oh, I'm going to challenge. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, I because I know, and I've told people this before, like if you're not going to let me do what I know is going to help you, like I might as well go on an airplane and leave. Yeah, yeah. Why There's did, no point in me being here. here. Why are you paying me? I don't want you to pay me for something that I know is going to be a bad outcome. And I get really engaged in the companies because contrary to, you know, maybe what people out there might think, I don't care about the software that much. Mm -hmm. I care about the software because the software is going to help us fix operational things. It's going to make it scalable and it's going to actually digitize. And we're going to solve the problems and we're going to think through it. And we're going to maybe even fix some of this bad conversation stuff that we didn't even know existed within the our culture stuff that we didn't know existed in the company until we started digging into some of the operational stuff, you know, and so the software then helps us manage all that. And so what's really fun is working with these companies and helping to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Okay. Oh, that's, that's interesting. Love that. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's, here's another inventory question. Um, all right. So we, uh, I'll, I'll give you a profile real fast. Okay. All right. So this is a, this is a company who their first three years in business, it's been all D to C Maybe they've done some Amazon um, warehouses decently dialed. Like they do inventory by bin. They have basic pick and pack. Inventory is relatively accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, they have. They now have the choice where like we can start doing specialty wholesale. So they have like a bunch of retailers around who are like they've all committed to buy 100 units. And they're like, man. So it's not EDI, not that <laughs> profane word. Okay. Just like specialty wholesale. Yeah. How do they, how do you merge wholesale inventory and sales into uh, into your D to C? Yeah. And and how do you merge that into your operations? Because it's again like two different beasts. The forecasting of wholesale, how how you sales handle inventory, yeah. how you handle shipping. How would you recommend to clients who are just starting to go wholesale? What are some things that they're probably not thinking of? One thing I'd start with is more isn't always better and complex isn't always better. More complexity isn't always better. I think generally what I see a lot of startup e-commerce businesses do is just add more and more and more and more layers. So it's like these people over here are doing wholesale. I need to do wholesale. These people over here are doing Amazon. I need to do Amazon. These people over here are doing, you know, they're using FAIR. These people over here. These are people using, over here started subscription. When right. they start subscription, it's like, and before you know it, you are a complex, super complex, F. and that's how you spend have to spend a lot of money, a lot of time, kind of rewinding from that. Yeah. Excuse me, and figuring out like how do we get this thing back on the road? So I would say like take a pause when you get an idea of something like that. Take a pause. Maybe bring some team around you to say like, hey, is this a really good idea? Before you jump into it. Going into your scenario, though, some of the things that, okay, we let's say we've taken that pause and we figured out, yeah, we can do it. Having the right software to manage these complex pieces is really important. You know, for example, you're probably not going to have the same price on Amazon that you're going to have to a wholesaler, yeah. you know, a you know, wholesale company. How do you manage that? How do you decide what that price is? You know, Payment terms, too. And, and again, like I spend a lot of time with companies saying, let's, let's look at the data. You know, Amazon is a good place where a lot of times people, if they're not careful, can really lose money money because they don't have the data to look and see with the delivery fees and with the 
you know, complexities of getting it to Amazon and labeling and all of the things that go into the Amazon space, you're actually losing money every time you sell this product, but they don't have the knowledge to be able to put that, those data pieces together. So I think the having, processes and the software. For so sure, for sure. To actually give that visibility. And again, I think if there's a theme that we're hitting, it's operational processes, the right software. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that's the biggest piece with this wholesale company that you're talking about. Do you have the processes and know that you can do this and how you, what's your strategy behind it? And then do you have the software that can manage the process on the back end? Mm-hmm. And don't just jump in. Yes. Don't just say to, yeah. yep. you know, Macy's, yes, I'll, like, Macy's is interested. That's great. That's really exciting. Take that pause and say, like, how am I going to manage this? When they give me the order for 500,000 units, because they want to send it to all their places. Otherwise, you'll be coming to Luminous or Ledger Gurus yeah. three months later, and you're just How like... About Lu- Luminous and Ledger Gurus? How about that? Yeah. Is that there good? We go. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah, we go. <laughs> no, um, I, you will be coming to us a couple months later where you're just like, man, like ripping your hair, hair out. Like, everything was so easy, but we're doing this QuickBooks invoice, and it's not aggregating with my direct consumer inventory. And you're like, well, yeah, no, duh, because you're invoicing on QuickBooks yeah, and it's right. not pushing to your OMS. Like, and, and it's, it's all, it really is like stopping and pausing. Like, yeah. okay, hmm, direct consumer is way different than wholesale. Mm-hmm. I need to have like a customer database. Pricing. Yeah. How, how am I going to invoice this? How's that going? And this is another thing, like most e-commerce companies, they'll invoice first rather than like doing a sales order first. Yeah. So it's, because you know why? That's how QuickBooks built the process. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's like, again, I think sometimes we they, get They to, prioritize the collection of revenue first. Yeah. Then, I don't even know if it's that so much. There's probably mm, some of that. I also think that it's like, I just, I was doing what the best I knew how to do. I jumped into QuickBooks because that was easy. I went online exactly, and yeah. said, here it is. And that's it's like, probably, that's probably you know, more on. It's like, this is, oh, this is how I create an invoice in a software I already use. Yeah. Like, if I had to summarize probably every company I've ever worked with, it would be, I was just doing the best thing I knew how. I didn't have anybody that, you know, could walk in and say, did you know that there's software out there that'll do that for you and save you three hours? You know, or whatever the <laughs> thing is. It's just, I'm just trying to get by, you know? All right. Couple, couple questions because yeah. we are running a little bit low on time. Yeah. Um, what is, what is your take How familiar are you? How familiar are you with, for example, if I say Atlassian or HubSpot, these companies? These I know software. HubSpot. I'm not. I don't know the other one you mentioned. So, so HubSpot was a big disruptor to Salesforce. Yeah, they're they're basically CRM. Yeah, um, for and you know sales enablement for um, for SMBs. Yeah, Atlassian. That's more like product management side. So okay. like I deal with them a lot on at, on Luminous. Okay. So like managing developer sprints and product management. How do you build things out? Mm-hmm. So they really disrupted the market for um, for small and medium sized businesses, like mm-hmm. software businesses. And I personally, I don't. I'm still waiting for that disruptor. Right now, my perspective of what I see in the inventory supply chain purchasing, like back end for the modern e-commerce business, everybody thinks that you have to go to NetSuite or yeah. Sage or Dynamics 365 or, you know, big, massive Complicated, ERP. yeah. Why do you think nobody's totally emerged and grabbed market share like Atlassian or HubSpot have mm-hmm. in their respective industries? It's a good question. Um, I think part of the... 
big software conversation is obviously the bigger the software, the bigger the marketing budget. You know what I mean? And so when people think of the ERP inventory management space, you know, somebody like NetSuite comes to mind because what what pops up first because they have a bigger marketing right. budget. You know what Just I mean? Outspend you. Yeah, right. Um, I think that's a big piece why they are more well known. I would venture to say, and I've worked with people on NetSuite. I've never implemented NetSuite, but I've worked with a lot of people either coming off NetSuite or um, I would venture to say that, especially for in the small to medium business space, there's a lot more softwares out there that really can get you more pinpointed to what you really need than the big machine. You know what I mean? Yeah. <clears throat> um, but, but I think sometimes there's a, there's a disconnect between, and again, if we go back to this conversation, operational processes and software, there's a disconnect between the warehouse and the software developer. Mm. Like, you know, I've said this, to, I said this to a company recently that we work with. I said, we need to get you in the warehouse because you're arguing with me about a point that if you saw this, you would not have, you would stop this argument. Like, because this, this is not how people do business. It's great in the software world. Yeah. It's great. Like that you at, that you spent three months developing this technology and it's right. really cool in theory. It will not work in everyday practice. So I think if there were a software out there who would say like, I'm going to prioritize the customer and how they do things first. And probably I don't want to disparage softwares by saying they don't value their customers by any means. Right, I'm not saying yeah. that. What I'm I, saying is like the actual things that they're struggling with and seeing well, it. I feel like it also goes back to what you're saying at the beginning, which is software companies and it, it comes out in marketing. Yeah. It, it comes out in their marketing like best WMS, best OMS. Yeah. Awesome wholesale. Pl like I, I'm thinking of these like keywords that you use for PPC, but like really most operators are actually just like super niche problem X. Like, yeah, right. how do I get my wholesale order invoice into my inventory software? How like, do I stop selling out on Amazon? <laughs> yeah, ex exactly. Yeah. Like it's, that's kind of, I, I feel like as, the, this is my theory. I'm yeah. curious what you think. Yeah, yeah. Most of the, most of the inventory systems that came, you know, between like 2011, 2015, there was a big boom in inventory systems yeah. that were founded then. Um, you know, like Sin7, Linworks. Well, Linworks is like 2008. Um, 3PL Central, SKU Vault. Like, mm -hmm. there's a big boom in inventory systems. Yeah. And it was, it was just the big boom in e-commerce. It's like, hmm, there's a space here. Mm -hmm. um, what I think is a lot of these inventory systems, they came out at that time and the whole thesis at that time was like, build this system in the cloud. Mm -hmm. I personally believe that they all tried to kind of just rebuild NetSuite in the cloud um, without their own take on the market. Like, but why are you rebuilding NetSuite? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. And I think what you're hitting at is, is the why. Yeah. Like, operators... E-commerce operators, they don't know what WMS, IMS, EDI. They don't, they don't know e-commerce the fulfillment. They're like, what does that even mean? And I've seen you, I've seen you, you, you go out and look at softwares and one of their big selling points is multi-channel e-commerce fulfillment. And if you go to a, a, the warehouse I was at yesterday, they're going to say, excuse me, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I was, I was literally just, I was just, um, demoing a company yesterday yeah. and like, sometimes you just throw out acronyms that you don't even like it's so common yeah. like 
Like I was saying EDI. Yeah. And she shared her screen and she was Googling EDI. Yes. And it was, it was hilarious. So it's like, that that really is the case. So like, those, those like V2 inventory systems mm -hmm. that came out between 2008, 2015, they really just kind of rebuilt NetSuite. Yeah. And because of that, like you can tell that they just rebuilt NetSuite mm -hmm. in the cloud. And I think... I think somebody who's going to challenge the status quo is exactly like you're saying is challenging. They're, they're building a system for operators. Yeah. Like that perspective things, in the warehouse. Yeah. One of the things that, you know, we talked about locate earlier, you know, it's kind of where I got my start into this space. And one of the things that I really appreciated about locate and their perspective is they started their company. They were consultants on, you know, mm -hmm another software. And they so they learned all of these places where the software didn't do exactly right. And they said, we want to fix the things for our customers that we've been fixing on the back end yeah. to make this work for the customer. We want to build a software that, that fixes the things for the customers. So they were really deep into how do their customers work? How do they function? How do their operations work? What are their processes? And then built software to kind of manage that. Well, it's, it's, and it's because like, NetSuite was built. I, I, I say NetSuite. Yeah. I mean, I can't stand NetSuite. Yeah. We're, we're going after them. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So you, you can stay. Yeah. Uh, you can stay. <laughs> stay uh, neutral. Stay neutral on this yeah. one, but I can't stand them. Yeah. Um, they. Their their system is it's very antiquated. Yeah. It's sure. it's very rigid. Like need to create sales order, then create invoice, mm -hmm. then go to warehouse group X, yeah. then go to pick and pack. Like yeah, you know what I mean. So. The locate guys, because um, I have seen their system. It's yeah. actually sick. Yeah, I, can't, I don't understand why they sold their business. Like, uh, ah, yeah, <laughs> we won't talk about that. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah, they they had a sick platform um, sure. that sunset and left a lot of people because it was such a sick platform. I was like, no. Yeah. yeah. Um. So they, I f I feel like what they were getting at was like the things they had to fix was. It was where the intersection of the new e-commerce processes were not aligning with right. the rigid, antiquated, clunky systems. Yeah. Like e-commerce companies don't necessarily do it that way. So they they built things a little bit more flexible. You still have to be rigid yeah. to, to keep processes, but well, and I think the other piece with a NetSuite or a an SAP or a, you know, these big legacy platforms. A lot of times it's a huge stretch financially for a company to even make that decision. And I feel like a lot of softwares have said, if our customer is X, we need to live in the world that our customer lives in and not say customer come to my world, mm. you know? And I think if you can learn to do that and you got to balance the both, I mean, you got to be a successful company as well. You got to be able to keep the lights on and, and pay your employees, you know, and hopefully make some money along the way. I mean, we're, we're all in it to do the same thing, but yep. If you tell all the cust the customers you've got to come to my world and you've got to spend a little more than your budget or a lot more than your budget in order to be successful, people are going to do it, but they can't sustain that, you yep. know. And I honestly think, you know, this could, we could have a whole podcast episode on this topic. One of the biggest pieces in picking the right software is can the company manage it? Yes. And what I've seen from a lot of people on yes. NetSuite, for example, is it's just too complicated. It, so because I'm the operator, it, I just got to get my orders out on time. Exactly. You gave me this big thing. Yeah. So in, in luminous terminology, we, we call it, we say friction. Love like it. it adds too much friction. Yeah. And it's so, so like one thing that NetSuite implementations are, <clears throat> or e-commerce companies implementing NetSuite, it's that it's notorious for is yeah. they don't understand the financial burden for sure. Where like 
you might have a CFO come in and be like, oh, I want to, I want to implement NetSuite, but they're not understood. Okay. Being able to totally get off of QuickBooks and go go to NetSuite for financials, mm-hmm. you probably have to hire like two or three full-time people now. Yeah, right. Um, At minimum. It, whereas at least on QuickBooks, you you could do that with one person yeah, part-time. For sure. And or partner with somebody like Ledger Gurus and we'll take care of it all ex- for you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. seriously. Yeah. No, that's that really is the case. Um and then also with Nets people underestimating like, oh yeah, we really need to dial in our warehouse for scale. But like, okay, well, you do realize what used to be maybe like a three-step process now just went to like seven mm-hmm. to keep everything updated. Yeah. And the reason people are probably coming to conversation, we talked about this earlier, the number one thing I hear, I'm just too busy. So don't take their comp- their processes and their their functionality that's supposed to make them less busy and make it more complicated and more busy. And that's what ends Love up happening that. is you've got to make it more complicated and busy to work in the big platform versus saying, let's simplify things and make it easier for you to do your job. Because that's what they're looking for anyway. They're not coming to you wanting more complexity, you know. Something that I think is so ripe right now, which we've talked a little bit about this before, but so Luminous, we'll, we're going we're gonna to be building our own OMS. Oh, um, we, we already have order management functionalities, yeah. but like, like our actual own standalone OMS, okay. because... Yeah, I'm I really think the the market is ripe for disruption with everything going on with ShipStation right now. Yeah. And how they just they don't really update their platform, but everybody uses it. Yeah. Um man, like a conversation that I would love to have with you. Not even we'll do it offline, not yeah. not on the podcast, yeah. but like how can the question being how can you take a pick pack and ship flow and make it as simple as possible mm-hmm. like the the least amount of rigid like how how can you do th- these massive fulfillment batches with like the least amount of steps yeah and i have found there's no one software that does it perfectly in my opinion maybe i just haven't found it yet yeah um but what i have found you mentioned shipstation shipstation has tons of automation capabilities but standalone they can't get you all the way there yep. but if you hook shipstation with another you know, OMS, IMS platform and build some automation triggers over here on this side in the platform that then picks up on the station side and they do what they do well. Where I found that you can really do some really cool things with companies is this layering effect with different softwares that really do well. Like you don't need to be the perfect expert at how 3PLs work. Yep. But what if you partner well with a company that that's where they spend all of their effort? Oh, that's that's 100% you know? how. So like with Luminous, because we have a lot of clients who have 3PLs and they yeah. want visibility. Um, so instead of us building these massive integrations into freaking like every single 3PL system, yeah. instead we searched and we so we found Trackstar. Like Trackstar yeah. is an API. So now we could, we don't have to be the solution for everything. Like we go through Trackstar. And so now we can offer visibility to multiple 3PLs and multiple WMSs. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the question too that we need to ask is, how do people find out that people like you and I exist? Mm. Because they're sitting in their warehouse ready to give up on their business or ready to hire more people unnecessarily or whatever. How do we let them know, like, there's a better way? <laughs> like, we can help you with this, you know? And it's a conversation I had. So I had with Emerson Hammer. at He was the COO at Nomadic okay. or VP of Supply Chain. Yeah. And so he was telling me his theory because I agreed, like, 
I want to get in front of somebody in a because I'm it's same I'm always consultative when I get in front of them. I'm never like we're gonna produce twenty percent extra efficiency and we're gonna save you sixty two point five thousand dollars. It's like no, yeah. I. I'm just going to like listen to you and I'll let you know what I think. I'll even tell you if our system isn't good. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to get in front of operators because like you were saying at the beginning, their heads down. Yeah. They're busy. And like that's the question, like how do you build an ops community that get their head out of the sand and you you make an environment where they know they're not being sold. Yeah. That's the question I'm trying to answer. Yeah. I, I don't know the answer to that. This is part of this podcast, actually. Yeah. Well, I, I think sometimes, and this is human nature for sure, it's like if I have information, more like our human condition wants us to like hold it. I think the more information we can get out there to people, it gives us all more opportunity. The fact that, you know, I just worked with a company and increased their using ShipStation and using, you know, inventory management software, I just completely changed the way that they pick, pack, and ship orders and went from probably, we'll say, 30 to 40 minutes pick time to less than a minute, which is a major change for this company. You know what I mean? Like, that's nothing proprietary. I don't get paid by ShipStation to do that. I don't like, you know, I, it's just like, how how can I take that information? And it wasn't anything complicated. Yeah. We physically fixed some stuff in their warehouse. And and it wasn't like it was just together. It was just the system. Like, no, you came in and you're like, why is this? You understood what's going on. Like this will work. This will work. New processes, boom. And really what people are buying from both you and I, they're not buying software from you and consulting service from me. They're buying confidence. Like, can this software That's actually solve the number my one thing I say all the time. Yeah. It's, can, like, do you walk into my world? Do you know what you're talking about? You know, how many people out there say that I Actually, did the word that I say is certainty. Yeah. But it's the same, same thing. thing. Like, that's anybody who's bought Luminous, they're, they're actually buying certainty that we're not going to just like throw them a software and be like, self on board. Here's an account manager. Yeah. Like, no, it's like. We we were like, no, we're gonna figure this out. Yeah. No matter what yeah, it takes. Right. Um so yeah. yeah, I agree. Well, well, let me can I ask you a question? Sure. So how do you um make sure that, that certainty remains? Because as you grow as a company, you're going to obviously have less and less bandwidth for getting in there in the niche de- intimate details with every company and all that stuff. So how do you scale in a way that continues to allow certainty and for people to feel confident in what you're doing? As you do that, you know? yeah, no, no, it's a great question. Yeah. I, I think the key there is we're so at Luminous. I'm not focused on vanity metrics. Yeah. Um, I don't care about our number of users mm. growing. Like, I, I, honestly, like my VC, like they know that too. They know like if I want to nail it before we scale it. Yeah. And if scale, if scaling it means turning into this massive marketing company that just blows in thousands of clients a month and has massive churn, that's not going to be luminous. Yeah. That's not my vision. Yeah. So that won't happen. Um, I think I'll answer that question as we go, but it will not look like that. Mm. It won't look like marketing, massive amounts of free users, churn, yeah, that's that. That's not the vision. The I think the vision is actually. I've always had a belief that there's an intersection between software and processes. Yeah, and I will only scale 
I'm never just going to scale free users. Mm-hmm. Like I, I want to actually scale the service side of the business with the software because I feel like that's how you win in the end. Yeah, and I think probably um, partnerships are a big part of that, like us working together. You know what I mean? Like, like do you really need to learn how to do these certain processes in a warehouse or can we partner together? And I say like, let me jump in there and fix this. I've done it now with 85 company or whatever the number is at the point oh, we had this conversation. That's, so that's been like nonstop. Brendan and I have been talking behind the scenes. Yeah. Like, man, how can we, how can we partner with Ledger Guru? Like yeah. They know what they're talking about. And yeah. uh, not, not only, not only, okay, by the way, Brittany's, Brittany bringing you in yeah. was freaking brilliant. Yeah, she's awesome. The Love freaking Brittany. brilliant because, yeah, and so the way we see it now is, so we get a lot of questions about accounting. Yeah. Um, and we just, what ends up happening is we just like, oh, we need you to push these as a journal entry like this. And we just do it. And then yeah. it ends up being like wrong or something. <laughs> like, like not wrong. It's just like, you know, you talk to an expert like Brittany. They're like, oh, no, we probably wouldn't do it that way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's finding pillars in each of the spaces like implementation and accounting. And partnering with them, yeah, um, yeah, it's it's a big part of our strategy too. Even within Ledger Gurus, I mean, I'm not the, I don't know everything. I know, I have learned a lot. Like I tell people all the time, and Brittany, when she listens to this, will probably be laughing right now <laughs> because I tell everybody I'm not an accountant, but I end up teaching people accounting. You know what I mean? It's because yeah. I've learned it from practice, not from education, yeah. and so from you know working with all these companies and and all of that. And so, um, but. The cool thing with our team at Ledger Gurus is we have a sales tax division that like are experts in sales tax. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, client accounting services that are experts in how to set up your chart of accounts and how to build these processes around yes. your accounting to get you. We have experts in having the conversation with you to know what you should do based on looking at your financial numbers. And now with adding our team, there's experts in the conversation to say, this is how you should set up your inventory business. This yes. is the software we should use. I don't go and tell people like, let me tell you how you should set up your sales tax. Yeah. I say, let me partner with our internal sales tax team and external partners like Avalara. You know, we work with Avalara a ton. I love what, I love what's, that's why I think I'm so drawn to Ledger Gurus and Brittany was just because I could sense you guys, like very much like us, you're driven by what works for the client and it doesn't have to be you with everything. Like you, it's like you just want things to work because same thing with Luminous. We know at the end of the day, what's going to bring value and stickiness to the software is just that things are working. Yeah. Like, and that things you are care. going well. Yeah. That you care about the outcome for the customer. You know what I mean? Brittany and I, we were on the con- a conversation last night about a customer and we were talking about how excited we were that we were able to create this change around their accounting processes and their inventory and all of this stuff. We're not talking about the financials of the deal and how we built. Uh, yeah. Nobody cares about that. I mean, exactly. we care because we got to keep the lights right, on. Right. But, you know, like with Stephen and Brittany, we're often having conversations around, this is really cool what we get to do. We we get to change. I mean, even with you guys, you get to change the trajectory of a business. Somebody that might be out of business next month because they started EDI and got in over their head. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Uh, we keep beating up on EDI today, but, you know, but but, you know, you get to really change people's lives and get them to where they want to be in their business. That's why, again, their founding story is so important to this operational conversation because where do they want to be? Yes. Because getting there is maybe it's a sales tax conversation. That's that's you know? also why I, I always harp on before I close a deal with yeah. with a with a company, I always literally the, the biggest thing that I push on on the decision makers that choose Luminous is like, look, at the end of the day, 
what's probably most important to you is our why. And like, I'll send them a yeah. video on like why Luminous exists and yeah. why we care about solving yeah. these problems in e-commerce. So it's like, we're going to be around and we're looking to solve these problems. We're not, I'm not just like throwing you in and you're part of like a Vandy metric of yeah. you're a thousand fiftieth user and we're at well, and it, 50 it, it, million in ARR. Like, yeah, right. And even in just full disclosure, when, you know, you and I met, we met Stacy from our team and Brittany set up lunch and they're, you know, like, oh, we've got these, this, you know, cool software we want you to to talk to and we think they'd be good as part of kind of the softwares that you know we work with a bunch of softwares like you said yeah. before and my first thought was oh god another software like you know what i mean like how many of them are there out there and who's going to but what made the connection for me was meeting you in person hearing your story and what gets you excited and just seeing even just like when we started having conversation around operational issues i mean you're leaning in and you're getting excited yeah, I and i love that and so for me that's that's rare to see that out there in the software space. So it's like, yeah, let's, I like Jared. I like his energy and what he's doing. Maybe I don't even know enough about the software yet, which I don't. <laughs> We're learning still. I'm calling you saying like, hey, what do you do in this space? But like yeah. your energy and it's how you get excited around the things that like we get excited about, I think is a perfect way to agree. So totally agree, man. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that wraps it for now. I think we're 